was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. I mean, can you blame them? After the year we've all had? It could be f- Welcome to another episode of Sands Mantra Studio. My name's Mark Hughes. I'm a Melbourne-based singer, songwriter and producer. And this podcast is where I take you, dear listener, behind the studio door of everything that's happening in my musical world. If you've just stumbled across this podcast, then you might be interested to know that I have a single out under my artist name, Sands Mantra, S-A-N-Z Mantra. It's a song called The Silent Crowd, and you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, and also at my YouTube channel, which is also called Sans Mantra. It's the first single from an album that I'll be releasing next year, and I do intend to release a few more singles as well. And this podcast is where I'll be looking at the making of each song and what went into the actual writing and recording of each track. But! Status Update. First, a quick plug for my mailing list. If you care to go to sansmantra.com and sign up, you too can be part of the Sans Mantra VIP Club and enjoy exclusive access to pre-release material, discounts on exclusive Sans Mantra merchandise and just the general euphoric feeling that comes from being in a community of like-minded, groovy people of immense taste and class. Oh, and there's also a gig guide. Speaking of gigs, I played my second last gig for the year last night out at a racing complex at a private function. It was an end-of-year office breakup Christmas party, and I played for a few hours uh, while people just caught up and kind of got drunk as you do at these Christmas parties. But um, my good friend Lyndon Wesley was playing upstairs as well, and he was playing in between the races. So this is a um, dog racing track, which I am ideologically opposed to, but uh, with the year that we've just had, the two years that we've just had, um, I didn't feel I could really say no to another gig. So this is the, um, the state of play, I guess, with musicians. We're just kind of taking what we can at the moment probably not that different to normal to be honest but yeah I would like to get out of playing at racing tracks I don't really agree with it but uh, for the moment I'm a hypocrite taking the money and running so uh, I played at this office party and I was able to catch up with Lyndon after the gig which was a bit of a treat I've known Lyndon for quite a few years now we met probably around 2004 or thereabouts through MySpace, would you believe? Mm-hmm. 
have since done a few duo gigs together and um, had a couple of jams. But uh, Lyndon is a great musician. He's um, someone I really enjoy working with because he's not only a great musician, but he's also a very empathetic musician, which is rare. And he's actually also the same Lyndon that I gave a plug to last week for his podcast, One Man, One Hammock. There you go. There's two plugs. Anyway, Lyndon is also going to be playing with me as part of my new blues project, a band called Tuco's Grill, which will be making its debut on Sunday the 6th of March at Club Altona at 3.30. 3.30 till 6.30, I think we're playing. Oh, tight, 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 yeah! So the vibe of the band is we do original arrangements of blues standards with different sort of grooves underneath, and um, it should be a lot of fun. So if you're in Melbourne and if you're a fan of blues and guitar playing, then come down to Club Altona, Sunday the 6th of March. Paul Richards and Ashley Smith will be playing drums and bass respectively as well. Getting back to recent events and recent gigs, I played, I think, the best gig I've played in years last Saturday night. It was at a venue in Cowes, and it's a venue that used to be a restaurant, and during lockdown, the owners decided to pivot. It's a funny word, pivot, isn't it? Whenever I say that or hear it, I instantly think of that hippo in the skirt from Fantasia doing pirouettes but um, they decided to pivot and change their restaurant into a fully fledged music bar and I was kind of expecting just to go and play a typical Saturday night gig in the corner of some pub where you kind of set up there might be a tiny little raised staged or not more often than not actually you're playing on the floor and you're just kind of providing a little bit of atmosphere I suppose for people while they unwind and have a meal and have some drinks and catch up. But uh, this venue, they've turned it into a proper music venue and they've got a proper stage um, in the window. They've got, uh, you know, curtains. They've got a full PA and lights. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised and I got up on the stage and then I was even more pleasantly surprised to hear people actually listening and applauding. And uh, I had an absolute ball, and it just reminded me of all the reasons why I started playing music, which is you envision yourself playing on a stage like that, um, under lights, with people listening. And I suppose I've done so many cover gigs where you are kind of rocking up and playing in the corner, which is, there's nothing against that. Um, That can be quite fun, and I'm happy to play wherever, you know, really. My approach to playing is every gig is worth playing because it's all practice, no matter what happens. So I'm I'm happy to play anywhere, essentially. (laughs) Have guitar, we'll play. And so this gig was just brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And like I said, it, it just reminded me of all the things that you imagine when you start playing music and it 
I think it was timely too because I'm planning on doing some shows once my album comes out next year. By shows, I mean in music venues with lights, a stage and people who are there to listen. So um, I have a lot of ideas actually about putting together um, something that I'm hoping will be quite unique and and will be a way for me to present the songs from my album in hopefully um, a slightly different way than you might have seen before. So I think most people would agree that music is one of those special things in life. Without going into cliched platitudes, it really is one of the free things in life, (laughs) especially these days, it really is free. Once you've paid your streaming subscription, that is. Actually, David Bowie predicted, I think about 10 or 20 years ago, that music would become a utility, just like gas, water, electricity, How right he was, unfortunately. Anyway, the love of music is something that most people share. And this is why people still play music. They still study music. People listen to music. They go along and hear music because it is something that lifts us out of the mundane, of the banal everyday of life. And at its best, it can channel the divine, I believe, into this earthly realm that we all inhabit. So in that spirit, I'd like to present to you a very special recording I made on the weekend at one of my other gigs, and uh, I would like to present to you Noddy, performing the cold chisel classic Kaysan. Enjoy. Uh, Yes, I have to do a big shout out to uh, Logan Sinclair for all his moral support at that gig you were just listening to. And a big shout out also to Michelle Parsons, my duo partner at that gig. I've been playing on and off with Michelle for, gee... Longer than I can remember now. But uh, Michelle is um, a talented solo artist in her own right. So if you feel like checking out some Melissa Etheridge style vocals and some country style guitar, go and check out Michelle Parsons on Facebook or at her website, michelleparsons.com.au.
You are currently listening to the ambient sounds of a song that was playing in at Dixon's Recycled Records in High Street, Northcote the other day when I was in there having a look for a present for my friend George. George lives up the road from me and he's retired and he was over the other day for a bit of a jam, basically. George has been, I think, living in this area all his life except for some time I think when he went back to Greece and met his wife uh, and came back and started a family but George is a, a keen music fan and he he was keen to see if I could help him decipher some chords on the guitar so George picked up the guitar when he was quite young but never had the chance to develop his interest so George came over and we had a bit of a jam And George has told me in the past uh, a little bit about the bands that he enjoys listening to. He likes a lot of classic rock. He loves Santana, which we have in common. And he was also playing me a couple of tunes on his phone on YouTube. A couple of uh, traditional, um, I think they were Turkish tunes? I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, so um, George was telling me that when his parents' house was sold, uh, his sister took all the records and there was a Credence record that I think he was quite keen on. So I thought it might be nice to see if I could uh, find a Credence record at Dixon's. Unfortunately, I didn't, but I thought I'd record it while I was in there because it always intrigues me how when you're in a shop, whether it's a cafe or Dixon's in this case, um, the music always sounds so much better when you're in there, in the environment. Um, it could be a new agey shop listening to some ambient music, or it could be a coffee shop with some chill out lounge music, or in this case, this tune that I'm talking over, I have no idea what it was, but even as I was having a look through the records and the CDs, I thought, this sounds really cool. <laughs> And I was tempted to go up and ask what it was, even though I knew that I probably would never play it if I bought it and brought it home. But uh, Dixon's is an interesting shop now. I first discovered Dixon's when I was very young. I was about 15, I think. And I was doing work experience at a place in Blackburn. And just next door to the place where I was doing the work experience, there was the first Dixon's Recycled Records. And I remember walking into the shop and it was a little bit like Aladdin's Cave for me at that point. There were records everywhere. And the way Dixon's worked was that they had a rating system. Uh, I think a Blue Star sticker, they had these stickers on the edge of the, on the corner of the record sleeves and a blue star was where it started so a blue star might be a couple of scratches or even quite badly scratched, I'm, I can't remember to be honest but a gold star or a silver star were both very playable so you'd stick to the records that had a gold star or a silver star sticker on the top right hand corner and they were probably about 8 or $9 I think for an album but going in there I remember walking around and the guy at behind the counter was playing Roxy Music's classic Siren album which of course if you know Roxy Music the song you'll know the song Love is the Drug comes from that album but the whole album is a classic album like really <laughs> fantastic album from start to finish and I remember listening to this album thinking 
ah, this is just fantastic. And I walked up to the counter and I said, what's this playing? And he told me and I just bought it. And I still love that album. I think I also bought all my Pink Floyd albums there as well, which is kind of funny because the guy I was just referring to behind the counter was actually a dead spit for Dave Gilmore from Pink Floyd, circa Amagama, which was which was pretty funny. Like seriously, he looked just like him, and you'd walk up there and, and it was and he had long hair, like long straight, you know, um, oily stringy sort of hair, like Dave Gilmore did in the early seventies as well, and you know, like a a plain black t-shirt as well it was almost like he was trying to look like him so he certainly wasn't um trying to hide the similarity so that was pretty funny as well but that actually just increased the whole fascination with the place it's like there's this aladdin's cave of all this incredible music which is affordable music and um there's a guy that looks just like Dave Gilmore who who serves you and he was really friendly too and he'd he'd offer suggestions as well you'd go up there and he'd say oh you want to try if you like this try this as well you'll like this which was so cool but I discovered lots of great bands at Dixon's bands like The Police I bought every Police album there Talking Heads I bought pretty much every Talking Heads album there Um, Led Zeppelin Stevie Wonder and one other big one. Who was the other one? I did buy quite a few Roxy Music albums, but I discovered that I really only liked Siren all the way through, pretty much. Although I did I did like some of their other stuff, but that was the album for me. Yeah, so Dixon's was uh, a great place. I'd just go there all the time. I'd catch the train and just go there and just buy records, you know. But going into Dixon's, this this shop in Northcote, it felt a little bit like visiting a shrine for a forgotten era, to be honest. It was kind of nice. It, it had, you know, all the old classic rock and jazz icons, you know, the posters, framed posters up high up on the wall. So you had your, you know, Ella Fitzgerald and Miles Davis and um, Bob Marley and... I think there was a Hendrix poster, the obligatory Hendrix poster, and Led Zeppelin, of course, Houses of the Holy. What a fantastic album cover. I mean, just what a fantastic photo. Um, All those babes, just, and literally babes, climbing up the rocks. Just, I just love it, with the colour they put on there as well. Just a brilliant piece of art. I wonder if you'd get that through today, uh, or if it would be considered... Um, obscene I'm not sure and I'm not making a judgment on that either way I'm just kind of wondering out loud would that be allowed now Um, but anyway Dixon's in 2021 in Northcote it's it felt kind of old and dusty I guess that's unavoidable given the amount of old stuff in there like records and even CDs now are quite old Um, DVDs as well they have DVDs and old magazines and newspapers. Uh, they look like newspapers anyway. Magazines, music magazines underneath the CD racks. So I had a bit of a flick through of different things. I couldn't find any Credence or Led Zeppelin, unfortunately, because I know George likes Led Zeppelin as well. But I did enjoy just having a wander around there. I'm not sure when I'll go back in there again. Perhaps when I'm feeling nostalgic. But it is interesting to me how things change and 
One of the great shames, I think, of the modern era and the way that we consume music is that we've lost all the information on the album sleeves. So when I bought Houses of the Holy by Led Zeppelin from Dixon's in Blackburn, circa 1986, thereabouts, I remember taking it home and, and opening it up and not only did you have more artwork to look at while you were listening to this album, but you had every bit of information that you could hope for from who played what on the actual recording to who produced it, who mixed it, where it was recorded. In some cases you even had um, on different albums, you know, thank you notes to people and you'd sort of get an insight into this world that's around the particular artist or band that you're listening to. And the way I used to consume music was when I found something that I liked, I wanted to check out everything by that artist. So when I discovered The Police, I bought every single album. I just consumed all of their music as quickly as I could. And I read everything, every word on every album sleeve. And that was our way back then before the internet of joining the dots and discovering new things that we might like so you'd see if it was an artist perhaps that didn't have a a band per se they were more of a solo artist then you'd check out the players that played on the album you might go and check out the musicians that played on that album they might have a solo album themselves you'd go and listen to that or you'd go and listen to um, for instance Stevie Ray Vaughan um, got his big break through David Bowie's Let's Dance album now Stevie Ray Vaughan was an incredible musician and he would have made it either way but he just happened to make it through David Bowie's assistance and playing on that album but that actual album has got people like Omar Hakim who was a very famous session drummer playing drums on it Um, Niall Rogers produced it the guitarist and uh, founding member of Chic and uh, you know producer to the stars basically he's produced everyone from madonna to david bowie to i think one of his last big hits was a collaboration with daft punk doing get lucky so this was how we sort of threaded everything together and discovered new things whereas now we've got spotify or whatever streaming service you use to you know throw up suggestions for you based on the characteristics that they've programmed in of that particular track so if you're listening to daft punk they might have a list of uh, terms or characteristics of the track like um, i don't know funky um, techno maybe electro things like that and based on that the algorithm will start you know offering suggestions to you and i'm not saying one way is better than the other but i do miss the artwork i miss knowing exactly who played on each track and to me it's a travesty really that they can't provide this information with each song as it comes up on your phone with spotify for instance because it would be so easy for them to encode this metadata with each song that's a missed opportunity to me. I hope it's something that they actually rectify in the future, but I'm not holding my breath.
If you've listened this far, then I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know how time poor we all are, especially at Christmas time. And this hasn't been a terribly Christmassy episode of Sans Mantra Studio, but uh, hey, hasn't been a terribly normal year either, has it? I have been going through the different tracks from my album, offering little previews, sneak peeks, that sort of thing. Here's another one. This is the next one in order of probably how they're going to appear on the album, if anyone has been keeping track. I have spoken about this track before on my previous YouTube channel, but new followers here might not have heard that. Suffice to say, this track is about technology and the rise of AI and it touches on the singularity which you can google and look up i'm not going to tell you about it i'll probably do a whole episode on this particular track at some point but for now here's heaven and earth and i hope you enjoy this remember there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy whether or not it is observable or comprehensible. A still more broad definition includes everything that has existed exists or will exist. Thank you. 
As always, I'd like to thank the following people in alphabetical order. Thank you so much for all your support for this podcast and my music in general. Thank you, Anthony Ray, Beck Godfrey, Campbell McNaughton. Hey, Cam, happy birthday. I hope you're having a great day, mate. And I hope you aren't getting half the presents just because, you know, you're born the day before Christmas. Yeah, many happy returns and lots of hugs and... Just basically lots and lots of footy love, mate. Thank you also to Jody McNaughton. I hope you're looking after Cam today on his birthday. I'm sure you are. Thank you also to Jill Harvey, Gordon Thompson, Justin Slay, Logan Sinclair, Lyndon Wesley, Neva Connell, Nicola Platt, Paul Appleman, Paul Richards, Pete Sim, Salman Khan, Sharon Swan, Warren McCall-Jones, Barbara Renz, Paul Hughes, Natalie Guglielmi, Graham Hughes, Gloria Kennedy, and especially to my ever-loving family, Helen Hughes and Bailey Hughes. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Merry Christmas, everybody. See you next week.